Welcome to Opposable Thumbs. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks and talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. We have no challenge and no guest this episode. Yeah, we're we're taking a uh, we're taking a break to build up our guest list and restore our vital juices. That's right. Uh, but we don't want to um, we don't want to drop the practice entirely because it's I think it's really good for both of our creative practice, but yeah. also we want to keep engaged with our listeners. Definitely, definitely, yes. And uh, my name is Rob Ray, and I use the he his gender pronoun. I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm an artist, engineer, educator. I've already gotten ahead of myself, something, something, noted tall person. I'm a he, his kind of guy. Today, we don't have a guest, but we thought we'd do it a little differently, right? What's, yes. what's your idea about how we're going to roll today? Five, five questions. I, I came up with three, and then I figured I would wing it with the other two for you. Yeah, that's the way to do it. <laughs> but I feel like on a meta level, too, to go out a step further. So we, you know, life is happening. We're on episode 60. This project we love, but it is it is hard. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To um to make sure that we're bringing people on that we feel like we can really engage with responsibly, and that's that's a big thing for me. Like I don't want to just phone mm-hmm. it in mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when someone comes on. Yeah. Um, and so I know that you and I had talked about taking a couple of weeks or months and getting you know getting our guest roster stacked um, yep. as we come off the summer. But also, I was just really feeling the tug. You know what I mean? Like, I want to make sure people know we're still here. Yes. And um, and this podcast is just how I hang out with you. Although I did see you in the flesh, alive. I saw you alive this week. We experienced one another and also food. <laughs> Indeed. And <laughs> your dog. Great. And yeah. you you are looking a lot more tan than the last time I saw you. It's my, my SoCal glow. <laughs> so, yeah, we got to see one another. And I think we talked about how it was important to... You know, make sure because I mean we have patrons to our podcast, and we want to, uh, and in our audience that we're speaking to, and um, we want to keep you guys aware of what we're doing. Yes, our community out there in uh, many English-speaking countries, and strangely, Sweden, I believe, is one of the top. All right, top ones as well. I want to hear from those Swedes. Mm-hmm. If you are a Swedish person, a Swede, please please reach out. Let us send you some stickers. Find out what the what the deal is. That's right. So yeah, so we, we had this notion that we would ask each other five questions yeah. as a format for a conversation. Um, I just for fun made some little audio. I had a, I had a, a helper uh, to generate. I was going to have my helper generate all the questions for you, but she was a um, uh, an excited but not very able participant. So you want to you want to listen to some of the audio I sent you just to get things started? Yeah, I do. Intro.mp3? That... uh. Yeah, listen to that first. Tell me when you play it, and I'll play it at the same time. Okay. Okay, I'm yeah. ready when you are. <laughs> yeah, go. Welcome to Posable Farms. Posable Farms, a podcast where <laughs> Rob and Taylor tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks. <laughs> so I'm totally ripping this off Tim's way, but but mine's mine's younger. That was so good. <laughs> oh, man. That was a four-year-old. Yeah, your four-year-old, four? Indeed, a four. four. Yes, yes, just just over four. Ah. Um, so I was going to try to get her to ask all the questions, but you can see that she doesn't quite get the format if you start playing the uh, playing the other ones. Should I do? Should play Q one there. Q one. Yeah, go. What is your favorite tool? Saw. <laughs> oh, you have to ask Uncle Rob. So you say. What is your favorite tool? <laughs> yeah. Oh man. 
question? All right, I get to answer. My hey, favorite, what's your favorite tool, right? My favorite tool. My favorite tool. Uh, I have two answers. My first answer is is probably a cheat answer. All right. And that's and that's the laptop computer. <laughs> oh, this is a total cheater. That's a total cheat. <laughs> but it is like I mean, it is like the thing I go I mean, to yeah. first hundred percent of the time. You know? Sure is. Um uh but I've been trying to just this week think about an iPad lifestyle because I I have one at my work. And about that life, man. And I do like the immediacy of the pen, you know? Mm-hmm. And often I'll start to draw and feel on paper and feel like oh, this should be digital. But then yeah. I've actually also been trying to resist that a little bit to be like, just 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 blurt it out. Like I feel so challenged to be productive in my brainstorming that I, I force myself into the digital realm where maybe I should just like spew it all out, you know? Um, well, it's funny that you associate it with productivity. I know. It's I, stupid. I've come to think of my computer as anti-productive in many ways. Mm, I finally yeah. deleted Reddit, which improved my life greatly. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, although my, my meme game is now down. Mm, yeah. 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 My other favorite tool. Okay. Let me think about the word favorite here for a second. My favorite, to, <laughs> favorite, like favorite yeah, could be like, it, dude. well, it could be like, what is the most pleasurable? Like what sure. brings me the most pleasure? Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the thing that brings me the most pleasure is a table saw. Yeah. Be- Why is that? When I'm using the table saw, I know what the end result is going to be. I have enough confidence with the tool that I don't feel anxiety about using it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like typically when I'm using it, like I'm on my way to something I'm going to be happy about. Like You're not really riffing on the table saw. Yeah, I feel like like I have momentum, like creative momentum, mm-hmm. you know, where something like a jigsaw is not my favorite tool because they're just a pain in the butt to use. Like, like they never quite work like you want them to. And so because of that, I feel anxiety about it because I'm like, it's going to cut crooked. I'm going to have to sand it. You know, like it feels mm-hmm. like an unfulfilling action in a way. Funny funny how they're both um, complicated and expensive tools. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very good point. I mean, not yeah. complicated necessarily, but, you know, like a table saw is not just something you pick up on a Saturday. I mean, it's a pretty big, they're both yeah. big investments. It's a big commitment. Yeah, yeah. So that that's my answer for that one. All right, cool. I have a question for you. Okay. Let's hear it. This is a similar question. Um, it's funny because we were on episode 60, so we've sh- shared, in a way, 59 different projects with one another, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Just about 59. And I, ch- I cheated and brought a, co- a couple back, but yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, Solid 55. Uh, what I What's funny about that is you get to see the process, but... It's still like a tiny snapshot, I think, into how into a thing we probably do dozens of times a week, which is gets which mm-hmm. is start a thing, you know. Sure. So my question for you is, how do you how do you feel like you typically go from thing in your head to something that is either bits or atoms, you know, like moving forward as a as a mm-hmm. pixel, a vector, or a piece of wood or metal or whatever. And then, like, what would you like to try to change about that if you if you oh, feel yeah. like, you know, like you're like, oh, I, I wish I did this instead and that would get me down the road further or something? Oh, yeah. I mean, once you stop wishing that you could make changes, I think you get 
you get boring. But yeah, um, yeah, I I think so. Right now, I'm working on a project I've talked about on the podcast, which is a set of train tracks that move a television back and forth, so you can photograph it in the long exposure photograph. Yes. And that was the kind of thing where I had that idea like a decade ago, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, or more. Um, and then I just, because the idea by itself is pretty simple. I don't think you have to know a lot about technology to understand if a television is moving and if the images are changing on the television, they're going to accumulate in a long exposure photograph. Like, you know, you don't have to be a photographer, you don't have to be a kinetic sculptor or anything to get that. Um, and then I, but part of it too, is that I know, I knew that that would be interesting to look at once I made it. But I couldn't exactly visualize how that how the images the final images would look, and so I just knew that that was like a system that would be interesting, almost like a studio tool. Um, and then it just took me a really long time to get into a place where I felt like I had, you know, the space to install it because it's big. Yeah. So right yeah. now it's in my basement, um, having the know how to put it together. You know, so there were there were periods in there where I'd have to chunk off pieces of it and just say, you know, I need a relatively cheap way to control the movement of this thing up and down the track. And then Mm -hmm. I found, you know, parking lot gate hardware and researched all that stuff. Tried to figure out, you know, more about stepper motors and this and that. So I I feel like a lot of my practice has become about, because, you know, I'm an educator in my day job and I think of everything through that frame. So I wind up making chunks of the project and then effectively taking notes on myself and then turning that into a um, blog post or Mm, something mm -hmm. up on GitHub. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like because these things take so long and they can be really exhausting when you haven't got a product for many years, you know, it's useful to start thinking about the, um, uh, the technical achievements as being units that you can document and disseminate. Yeah. Um, And they're not, you know, they're not regarded by the same audiences, right? So the stuff I throw up on GitHub, I mean, clearly, there's very few people that I work with at Columbia College that are going to care at all. I mean, or, or know anything about GitHub. Um, but then when I'm finishing the thing now, it's going to be digital prints and a solo show and all that. And like, that's much more legible to the folks at my day job. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of things to change, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like my studio process and results and all those things, they're getting better every year. Um, Maybe not at the pace that I'd like, but mm-hmm. that's leading me to kind of look back and try and figure out what my expectations are from creative practice. And I think academia and, you know, the art world, like if you cede control of the art world to some shadowy group that just exists in New York and L.A. Um, and London and wherever else, it's such a narrow view of what, you know, where your audience is. It's also a very narrow idea of like what creativity is. Right. You know, like- right, right. You know, I'm I'm trying trying to make sure that I'm not just saying to myself, Well, I don't I don't care about that audience anyway. <laughs> like uh-huh, if, uh-huh. if I can't if I can't get it even if I was trying. And, and just realizing that I'm gonna die <laughs> uh-huh, before uh-huh. too long. I don't know how much longer our creative practices are gonna be going at this pace. Like these might be the the years that I'm the best at this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I might know a lot more in forty years. I don't know if I'm gonna have the energy to stay up late and make the stuff. You know, so this could be it right now. And if it doesn't, like, if I'm not going to get any better at this in terms of a combination of my know-how and creativity and physical strength, then I better get cool with what I'm making right now, or else I'm Uh going to be uh really disappointed. (laughs) Uh uh (laughs) Uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. All right. 
I'm going to ask you a question, Rob. Okay. Um, I'm going to play it now. What is the worst part? Um, Can you say that? What is the worst part? About creativity. Creativity? What is that? I don't know that, and I love that. I love Puppy, and I love Mama, Uncle, Bro, Dad, and Wilson. <laughs> All right, so I was I was trying to set up a kind of either or question. Um, so it's kind of a double question for you. Uh, what for you? Like, what are your favorite parts about creativity, and what are your least favorite parts about creativity? Best part about creativity is is maybe like feeling like there's no wrong answer and i think that probably applies to you know even someone who maybe has a creative practice but maybe doesn't think about it like a mathematician or something maybe they don't use the word Uh creativity but um maybe they do the worst part i think is i mean it's fun but it's really hard is communicating what's in your head to other people like so often yeah. I'll have an idea and I'll blurt it out and someone will look at you and they'll repeat something back to you. And it's just like, no, no, that's not what I meant at all. <laughs> you know? And, uh, cause language is, is hard, right? It's crappy. Um, but it's the best thing we have. That feels like most immediately the worst part. Maybe the second worst part is how, like, I don't think many people spend much time thinking about it, like in terms of how it shapes their life or something. And so the value it has feel, feels always very low. Um, right. It's easy to feel like if you're thinking about creativity or even using the word, people sort of look at you like you're a jerk. <laughs> so I don't know. So it were a childlike thing. It's yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they, get, they get caught up um, in like maybe the need for an immediate outcome or something. To So I, I'm really interested in how you frame that in terms of other people. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so you, you don't, so the battles that you wind up having with yourself in terms of trying to meet your own standards or whatever, those to you do not approach the worst part. The worst part is when it hits the audience. Oh, that's okay. So there is a worst part for me, I think. And that's definitely, <laughs> um, I don't have what, what feels like an effective approach to creativity. And by effective, I mean, like, I think going back to my favorite tool problem, like, I think I go back to surfing the internet way too quickly to like start Mm. to think about a problem you know like instead of just sitting with it yeah instead of just like staring at a blank sheet of paper maybe and just being like okay start from here as opposed to starting from wikipedia wikipedia youtube like pinterest you know like stuff like that like then there's Mm. value to all that stuff right of like kind of getting inspiration or seeing what other people are doing but I'm so quick to do that. And I think I do it because I feel insecure about my own thoughts about what I do, you know, yeah, like, right. um, and I often feel time constrained. So I want to like move quickly into getting something on the page, you know, for, mm. for, for, and like, I'm so postmodern, right? Like I'm so, I'm so tuned into being like, well, anything I could come up with is probably a recombination of what other people have done. So I should look to see what other people have done and then see what I think about that work, you know? So that, and that, that I think really holds me, it both slows me down and probably constrains my thinking about things, you know, Uh in a way that kind of bums me out, but, but it feels comfortable. So I go back to it time and time again. Yeah. I mean, this uh, train track problem I've been working on 
after I got it well underway, I found somebody who had done almost the exact same thing. Uh, fortunately, it was just like, you know, running around in public with a television as opposed to this uh, train thing. Mm-hmm. And so, but using the exact same set of images. And at first I was really upset about it. But then, you know, you just kind of find the differences and try to acknowledge that there's nothing new since the 60s, at least. Yeah. I think right. there were new things in the 60s, but that mm-hmm. was, that was mm-hmm. about the end of it. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you got a question for me? I do. I have a question for you. Teaching is a big has been a big part of your life for a long time. Um, like ever since yeah. I met you, you you've been teaching and and doing that. If you weren't teaching, what would you want to do? Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, I've certainly been thinking about academia lately. You know, coming out to uh, California and um, visiting a business to do some side work, and then seeing sort of a different way of existing including everybody being happy all the time Uh (laughs) like it gives you pause Uh and um but i know it's tough i mean i was just talking to my partner audrey about this last night because um you know we got married we were really young Mm -hmm. we were 24 um and i think we've been together for 20 years Mm -hmm. and i'm 41 you know so it's a really significant yeah portion of our lives and then we also made the decision to have a kid Mm -hmm. And and one thing i thought was really interesting about, um, I can't remember who was writing this, but reading about people talking about having kids and, and because you really just can't know what that's going to be like until you do it. Yeah. Um, uh, having a kid and to a lesser extent being married, you just kind of decide to be a different person, right? So you uh-huh. have the kid or you do whatever, and then you get on the other side of it and you suddenly realize, Oh, if I continue to be this way, like this is not going to work. And mm-hmm. then you just have to become that new person. And either you do it, you know, quickly with little drama or perhaps that there's quite some growing pains as part of it. But I think that, um, in modernity, particularly in the, you know, because of all the privilege that I'm afforded and I mean, you too, I, I would assume, yep. um, you feel like, Oh, I could make any choice. Like I could decide to be, anything and then go for it and if i don't do that that's just kind of on me and I, but i think in reality even even for people that are coming from privilege um you make choices and you get older and then one one day you look up and you realize oh i can't really do anything anymore like i i could do anything but i can't do everything right is the classic thing and you really start to realize that as you get a little bit older and commit to doing something for 10 years or whatever but um before i was doing this you know i was a commercial welder and I was working in a commercial sculpture shop and this and that. And, um, and I got out of that stuff in part cause it just takes such a toll on your body. Um, yeah. but I, yeah. I may well, you know, I may well still be in a, a blue collar bearing where, I mean, one of the nice things about that was you just did that work and you went home and it, and it did not come home. Uh huh. Uh-huh. So if you had to give up, um, your engagement 100% with the, Visual arts or the culinary arts? Which one would you pick? <laughs> oh, hmm. Well, um, here's here, just to just to give shape to the question. But like, my <laughs> life would be would be f- fine, right? Like, like, like that. Like, um, you wouldn't starve to death. Yeah, yeah, like I wouldn't starve. To death. Okay. Still be able to eat gruel or something. Yeah. Okay. Great. Great. That's all I need. Yeah. Um, or or look at uh look at strange cloud formations. This question is made interesting to me by thinking about like 
it would be a thing that I would be giving up and not going back to. Right. Do do I give up on a thing that I've been doing for a very long time, or do I explore an essentially new realm for me where I have tons of things to learn and try yeah. and fail, et cetera, et cetera? The risk then being that maybe after a year doing it, I'm like, I'm miserable. I actually don't really like this that much. But then right. I gave up on my other thing, right? It's like it's like a fork in the road. So right now, do you do a lot of cooking or do you primarily, I mean, you've been talking about this, right? That you, you eat. I eat, um, yes. And you're starting to look a little bit at baking. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really interested in baking because I like, I mean, I don't know enough about cooking to know if this is true or not, but it feels uh, like methodical in a certain way. Um, I, I guess, you know, any, any cooking is going to be that way too. Like you could be very nerdy about like a porridge, you know, <laughs> and people who make <laughs> porridge could be nerdy about it if they decide to. Out you there know, with different, pantsing the porridge nerds. With different grains <laughs> and like different, you know, with butter, like it, like things you could add to it. But so what, what I, what intrigues me about baking is that kind of nerdiness and like fun tools and just different ways to, I don't know, make something um the baking process is really interesting to me interesting to me and in that it's sort of like you know like firing a like pottery or something you know like you're putting it in there and you're hoping it works out and it's about the timing and do the ingredients how do the ingredients impact what's happening how you know that kind of stuff um so i think i would switch i think i would switch because i feel like i've spent a large chunk of my life exhausting one realm whoa really yeah, and I would want to switch because it would get me out of my comfort zone and then I would be forced to, even after a year, if I got tired about it, I would be forced to figure out what I like about it and just keep going. Well, nothing's stopping you, man. Nothing I mean, stopped me. Why not do it? So this goes right into my question for you. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> Which is very similar. We're both artists who work through ideas rather than a particular craft, such as painting uh, blacksmithing, which is close to welding, et cetera. If you decided to stay in one lane, which lane would it be? Yeah, I, f- I feel like my whole thing is about lane hopping. Like yes, that's so fun- fundamental to my yeah. approach that it just it kind of does not compute. Yep. Um, so, so one thing I have been working on... Um, for the show I've got coming up is I finally hit upon a theme of making the invisible visible. Okay. And I just never before in my entire creative practice been able to come up with a non-technology oriented mm-hmm. um, artist statement or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, so this is something over years and years, you know, I talked about how long Audrey and I've been together, you know, since day one, you know, cause she, a lot of her background is in writing and editing and so on. She would always be saying, you know, cut out the jargon and make it not so technology focused. And she'd always tell me I was more of a conceptual artist because I'd have these big ideas that then were often expressed through technology. Yeah. So I feel like I'm just kind of getting into, so if it was possible for me to stay in a thematic lane, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like I could do that because I, I finally feel like I, like I look back at all the stuff I've made and some of it, you know, I have to push a little harder <laughs> than on others to make it fit in there. But it's pretty good, um, at least um, when I'm self-assessing. So there's that. But uh, right now, for example, for the show, I'm developing these digital prints, right, that are coming out of the camera. I'm developing um, large-scale etchings that are coming off of 
the CNC machine, but that's in combination with processing and all these other layers, you know, and then traditional printmaking. Um, there's a sculpture going in there that's traditional woodworking along with 3D printed sterling silver. Um, and then I'm also working with a, a Deborah Parr who researches scent um, to maybe make a sculptural object that smells, you know, like we'll break glass ampules on a schedule or something. So it's just all over the place, right? But then the theme is what allows it to be so varied. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like nothing sounds more boring to me than I, <laughs> identifying myself as a painter or whatever and just sticking to that mm-hmm. yeah. uh, forever. Um, but I don't know. Maybe I'm letting myself off the hook. Mm-hmm. By doing that. But, but if you had to pick, what would it be? Hmm. <laughs> I have to pick. Well, uh, yeah. So you gave me, me a, the similar question, which is one or the other. Yeah. And I'm giving you the question, which is right, right. There's many, but you have to pick one. I mean, it's funny because I went to school for sculpture, uh-huh. and I feel like I've always been excited about objects, but mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. recognizing that they're a big pain in the butt, um, particularly as it gets. You know, like you make a bunch of really big work and you hurt your back and it's expensive to ship and all that stuff. So I I do find myself often returning to flat work. Now, uh as to, you know, because I'm doing etchings and I'm doing photographs and stuff for this. So I I may actually switch over to flat stuff, but I feel like I just couldn't possibly pick. Can I just pick flat? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, flat. So I I might go flat or I forced to do so um, because then you can still, you know, invoke coding and all this other stuff um and uh but that would be a real bummer yeah, yeah. never to make yeah. objects again for sure yeah or maybe i could satisfy that by making objects in order to make the flat stuff and then cheat uh-huh. i like the sound of that <laughs> yeah let's see here okay so let me ask you this is there anything that you could do or attain where you would finally tell yourself, I made it. Like, Whoa. I got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Not that you'd be done necessarily, but mm-hmm. you would have sort of like achieved the highest height that you, you know, that you have in your mind, whether actively or not. Damn, that is a good question. I can... <laughs> I've been thinking, I've been doing a lot of exploration around kind of sound and music over the past few weeks. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's something that I comes in and out of my life every few years, you know, and it made me realize like, I've never gotten to a place where I was like, I'm going to go on tour. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do a tour Mm -hmm. and perform in whatever way that might be, uh, to other people in other cities in a kind of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, concrete way. And you never did that DJing? No, I would play locally, you know, but never, never went anywhere else really to do it. It's easy to think about the drudgery of it, which I'm sure is very real. Um, Yeah. But like just meeting other people, whoever they are, you know, would be cool. And like goofy things like I get to make a t-shirt or whatever, you know, like, or I get to, (laughs) you know, give people download links, which I don't know how that works now. I guess people probably just sell vinyl or sell something, you know? Right. Um, Yeah. About the merch at the show. Yeah. That would be a thing that if I did it, I would look back on it, even if it went miserably and be like really happy that I did it. So. Well, how many, how many dates do you think you'd need to play to make it hmm. worth your time? 
I think a proper tour has to be more than a dozen. Oh, all right. Um, and then would you need to get paid? I don't think I would. <laughs> so so yeah. I'll say no. <laughs> but I, f- um, I feel like this is really doable, man. Or like venues that I would play probably don't really have like a door. You know, like just those like the music communities I am I'm in, people have played for years and not really gotten paid. You know, so I I feel like I wouldn't get paid. But are we talking about DJing specifically? Yeah, DJing or like, you know, experimental music and that kind of stuff. Like right. it's just mm-hmm. the type of places where those events go down or you're like so low on the list on your first tour, you're just, you know, you're opening up for someone or something uh or you're right. like opening up for the opener, <laughs> you know. Um mm-hmm. I think a mini tour is 6 shows, but I think a, a full tour would be like 13 or yeah. more. Um no, I wouldn't have to get paid. It would also force me into really thinking about uh, sound and music as a performable and somewhat repeatable, if not, that doesn't need to be the same show all the time and probably shouldn't be, but like thinking about things like your sound palette or kind of what tooling do you come back to time and time again in order to kind of say what you want to say through through sound. Um, so yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have to be paid. That wouldn't be part of it. I mean, certainly if I got paid a little bit, that'd be good. Well, yeah. But I think the great thing about this is that you could, you know, if you looked at this like determining what the shape and size of a tour needs to be. Yep. Because it sounds like it's an it's an important thing for you to just have done. Yes. Kind of like taking art history class. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's nice to have uh-huh. had taken it. But yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. My apologies to all my art historian colleagues. <laughs> uh, but I always found the, the process difficult. But... um but I feel like, so I was working with my grad student last year, Colleen McCullough, and we were just trying to talk through, you know, what do you think a, a successful job right out of grad school looks mm, like? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once I got her to identify, you know, here's how much money I would need to make and then whatever kind of other things were in there, it was actually a really realistic goal. Uh-huh. And so I'll have to check in on her and see how see how it's coming along. You know, it's hard for anybody. But I feel like the stuff that you're talking about is super attainable. And I just wonder, you know, if you were just to see the production of the tour, you know, all of the practicalities and so forth as sort of its own project, like I was alluding to before, you know, chunking off that, I bet you could line that up pretty easy, man. Yep. Yeah. The the thing that I have, I've always convinced myself that it wasn't feasible to do is because I, I would feel very... And I don't even have to do this, but it's always just been like the impeding thing for me, which is not wanting to quit my job to do it. You right. know, like not feeling comfortable enough to be like, I'm just going to quit for, I don't know, six months or four months or whatever it is. Get everything lined up, have the show booked and everything, quit, and then do it and then get a different job or come back, see if they'd take me back or whatever it is, you know, like that. You even, could do or, a leave like, of absence, maybe. Yeah. And, or you could that. even probably get it done on weekends depending right. you know like if you played your cards right you know like maybe you could do like take off a week of work do six shows which would be like a grind but you could do it five yeah. four to six shows and then or take off two weeks right do do 12 of those and then do 12 more like it would be very expensive but like by plane or just locally around i mean southern california california you could do six shows in the west coast right you know? it's a leap to get to yeah, the I west mean, coast but 
Do you have to get out of town for this thing to be satisfying to you? Ooh, they wouldn't. I don't. Not all thirteen would have to be out of town, but I think mm-hmm. no more than two should be in town. Maybe like the beginning and the end or something could be in town. <clears throat> I mean, I wonder how this works. Like, if you get a hold of a producer or a manager or whatever it would be, and yeah. if you're like, if you're so you're not hungry in the same way that a bunch of eighteen-year-olds are. And of course, you have different responsibilities and so yeah. forth. But I wonder, yeah. is there a way just to find somebody and give them five hundred bucks, and then just say, "Here are all my, you know, date requirements. Just call me when it's done, and yeah. I just tell you where to go." Yep. Um, yep. Could be really and, interesting. And there's a big part of that, right? Is like I would need to play. I would need. It would behoove me to have a good body of work, and also have been playing out locally. You know, to to give myself and the tour manager something to talk about also, you know, <laughs> like, well, you know, somebody else you should talk to is Matt Steinke, right? So he, oh, he yeah, came on right. our show yep. sometime back and he, um, he does stuff that's halfway between art, but he's also, you know, he's done the being on magazine covers and touring yep. locally and internationally. And yep. I think he's been a session musician, but then he also plays more contemporary albums and then noisier weirdo stuff. And mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Th- this is probably old hat. To somebody like Matt, you know, he might even just like have the the exact same network that you that would be interested in the right. work you're talking yep. about. Yeah, that's very good. That's a great point. Yeah, buy him some e beer. Totally. Okay, I, I have a very similar question for you. This is so funny that our questions. Oh wait, are... you were just answering my question. I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah I have a lot of overlap. <laughs> okay, yeah, ask me the last one. Yeah. Okay, so this one's a little needs requires a little bit of scenario building. So yeah. start with a blank page. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, this can't be connected. Yes. Can't be connected to any thinking or doing that you're doing right now. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so it can't be like a a project in the, in the, that's already started, I guess. Right. Mm. Okay. So with that, 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 uh, caveat or requirement, you could do one big project or complete one big life goal by the end of the year that you haven't started thinking about. What would it be? Yeah. Oh man, that's a good one. Uh, a big project or a big life goal? I mean the the parenting thing is weird because the goals shift mm-hmm. so frequently. Yeah. So I feel like you can't really include that. Yeah. Because some of it's like oh, I wish my kid would start saying thank you or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> no, she does a great job at that. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is that I actually have some really big stuff lined up that are big life goals for me in terms of doing more residency work, trying to get a solo show together mm-hmm, so that I have mm-hmm. a, a stronger portfolio from which mm-hmm. to apply to other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really, it's really got me at a loss. I mean, it's, it sounds like a humble brag, but I, I you know, for once my summer is articulated exactly how I want it to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so so what I will say there, so I'll cheat temporarily and then you can tell me if you don't like this answer enough. But okay. okay. So I was watching, um, Audrey and I were watching the series Chernobyl right on HBO. And um, so my good. work right now, yes, super good. My, my work right now is in such a position where the photographs generally have to get taken at night once the sun's down. Of course, it's staying up. Mm-hmm. You know, the sun's out as long as it's going to be all year. And so I'm trying to black out the basement and stuff, but, you know, between parenting and all that and then trying to relax with your spouse, um, 
you really have to have a like an iron grip on the schedule to make it all happen yeah. and to feel yeah. like you're not being lazy on it. So I was really getting it done. And for a couple nights there, we would take a break and watch Chernobyl, which, you know, is a very exciting show. Yeah. Um, and really well put together. And I would just feel this sort of sense of elation because mm. I would think, you know, I, I know where my studio practice is at. Like I just got done teaching this semester. The kid stuff is going, the family stuff is going and all that. And then I would think like, what is this weird feeling that I'm feeling? And it was like being really excited and happy and not having it be rained on by other stuff. And that lasted for like three days uh-huh. in the evenings. Uh-huh. I'd get a little uh-huh. bit of that every night and then I was gone. Yeah. And and so it, it got me thinking about, you know, like, like do regular people or people that have their shit together, do they feel like that every day or even all the time? Like, is that, right? or is that just this crazy thing that I just happened to get a window on and then it was like, oh, I really got to bone up on Eagles so I can record this video. Yep. And I'll be traveling and I need to make sure to take my fiber pills. (laughs) Like, you know, like all the sort of life and body and everything comes back into it. Um, So I can honestly say that right now, um, all of the sort of major goals that I've got are moving forward and are articulated. Um, However, my concern about it, what I'm trying to figure out is how happy does everyone feel (laughs) <laughs> and if I'm comparing myself to them, like, am I missing out on just really enjoying where I'm at more? And is mm-hmm, that something mm-hmm. I need to work on? Or mm-hmm. indeed, is everyone like this? Because Trump got elected and everything's, you know, foobar. Yeah. And I just yeah. really got to enjoy those things when they happen and just like be patient because they'll come back. Um, so that's where your question takes me, but it also mm-hmm, doesn't mm-hmm. answer it in that like, um, if so do you want me to also go ahead and add another thing? Yeah, just just th- it just throw throw just, one out just there. Just do one. Yeah. So, uh, I think it would probably be something that I don't um, usually give any time to. Like, I'd really like to learn how to play the guitar. Oh, awesome! Um, That's rad. Okay, okay, yep, yep, cool. Yeah. So I bought, you know, I bought a little sixty dollar electric guitar from Guitar Center a couple of years ago, and then I got. Um, rocksmith where you can plug it into your computer and actually oh, yeah. kind of play along yeah uh, with certain songs and um and i feel like it's something i could probably be pretty good at um i mean that an exercise too but I, yeah. I just feel like those are two things which is like yeah all you need to do is just find the time and do it and it is so far away from my yeah. current goals yeah but if i were able just to snap my fingers and do it i mean that would be that would be one of the ones that i would do yep that's awesome that's great cool Wait, wait, what's, what's yours? Did you ask that with something in your mind? This question came to me because I had been thinking about bullet journaling or like some Mm. way to be able to both plan and measure the work I'm doing more effectively. And I don't know this term. Like a daily planner or monthly yearly planner kind of system. The analog method for the digital age. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 I have such a backlog of stuff that sometimes at one point it felt fresh and new and important and inspiring and then just fell off the list for some reason you know Mm -hmm. um what if i pick a new thing that just allows me to erase the other stuff off the list and be like i don't care about that right now like Mm -hmm. i have some other stuff i'm working on this year but like i'm going to just throw a new thing on there and i'm going to give myself the deadline of the end of the 
year calendar year to feel good about it like just to be like i did this thing which is where that my answer to your question came up and then it was also the impetus for this question which <laughs> so so it got all tangled up there between you you sure. asking me the question and back well, as any good conversation does yeah. yeah 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 it was cool that we were both thinking about when we sort of we were just texting back and forth you know bef- a few days ago thinking about like what what could it be what could we do the episode on that we both yeah. really came to these really interesting, interestingly similar uh, yeah. thoughts about life and creativity and that kind of stuff. So that's really cool. Well, I think there's few people I talk to with the same regularity that I talk yeah. to you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one yeah. reason why I want to make sure, even as we're taking a hiatus to build up our guest list again. Yes. Um, yeah, and I think we're different enough. I don't think there's any threat that uh, we're ever going to agree on everything. <laughs> no, sure, sure, yeah. But yeah. there's a uh, yeah, there's a framework that we sort of. I assume you go through your weeks as do I with this um, this project kind of hanging in the background, and it, it shapes mm-hmm. the kinds of things you get interested in. Yeah, and definitely. How, how you conduct yourself, yeah, for sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. So then, How's to fun? leave people with a notion of where we're heading or did you ask all your questions or did i I ask all my questions yep Yep. excellent so i think we are aiming to resume with guests in august that's right goal yeah and and what do you think shall we shall we continue to record check in on where we're at and so forth between now and then yeah i think i it's funny because i i will admit that i was kind of nervous that i was like oh we're going off the format like what's it gonna feel like yeah but it was super fun this past hour just like we had a little bit of a like sketched out a little bit of an idea and then talked about it and it was really i don't know rewarding and fun for me to think about and hopefully other people thought liked it too so well right and 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 we'll we'll find out what our audience thinks about it and yes. um you know we're still trying to talk about the central themes of um wrestling with creative practice and um i'll have some updates coming up as i go to this iron casting event and you know there'll be like we'll still talk about things of that nature um I'm curious just to look up here real quick if it is indeed Sweden that I was thinking about. But <laughs> Fireside's metrics do not want to load, so we'll have oh, yeah. to uh, we'll have to look that up later. Yep. Greetings, friends from Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, Rob, but I'd throw some cool stuff in a care package if uh, we were to hear someone reach out from the great beyond, beyond That's the United right. States. Uh, so whoever whoever wants some goodies, um, get in Hit line. Get in get in there first. Hit us up. Send us That's an right. email. That's right. Yeah, we have some mystery sure. packages to send. Oh, I got some I got some cool stuff. The best way to do that would be on Instagram at opposable underscore podcast, which is our Instagram account, or opposablepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to our Patreon peeps, even though we're a little bit off format. Thanks for supporting us. Uh, uh, we'll be back to bringing on uh, exciting new people uh, in the fall. Uh, but a shout out to Charlene McBride, Adam Mayer, Deb Chatra, Blondie Hacks, Nick Kantar, Walter Kotundu, and David Bellhorn. They're our top Patreon supporters. And if you'd like to join them in the league of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs. Oh, a side note to, um, about Patreon. Um, uh, Molly Alice's Patreon for her animated kids show is up. Um, I'll put, oh, shoot, let me find the link to it. All together now? Yes, exactly, all together now. Um, it's so cool. It's it's such a cool Patreon and such a cool project. Um, folks should definitely go check it out. Uh, it's called All Together Now, and it's a really great, um, like, queer-friendly 
gender fluid uh, kids show uh, and that she has a Patreon for it and also uh, Kickstarter as well, but the Kickstarter closed out and she raised um, a really nice chunk of money. So props to anybody who donated to that, uh, who's also a listener. Our podcast is dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be a part of it. You can check out our full code of conduct over at our site. Taylor, do you have um, any links or any weird things that you want to share with people? Events? Fun things? Oh, man. Yeah, I've just been nose to the grindstone uh, let's see. What do I want to share? Um, no, no, I got nothing. I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm, cool. uh, I'm, I'm straight ahead, but I want to hear what you've got right now. Nice. I have two things. Um, one of them is at, uh, application. There's, it works on windows, Linux and Mac called tiled and tiled is, um, like a 2d game map creation tool. So you can create an orthographic, which is the grid, or a isometric, you know, which is the slanty two point five D thing, uh, like uh, um, map creation tool. So you create create what's called a tile sheet, which is a like a PNG file with all the different little pieces of your terrain, and then you can populate those in as a map. And I've been exploring that today, and it's been really really fun and cool to check out. And that application is called tiled t-i-l-e-d and that's a hard the, one to google man yeah, yeah it, direct link yes and it's because i the url the domain name is mapeditor.org. <laughs> if you search probably tiled map editor that might be the best way yeah, to do it i get it for sure uh that's so a cool really fun neat um tool in it and and i think one of the things that's a big upside for this tool is the form what it creates is importable into things like unity and stuff like that so if you want to use you can create your map and then pull it into a game editor and like all of your mapping and stuff works oh this looks great i gotta get my D crew in on this yeah yeah it's, it's quite it's quite cool and um the person people really love the tool like he's he um it's on itch.io, which is a cool like indie game development platform and um, uh-huh. Patreon as well and stuff like that. So it's cool. And then the other thing I have, which is related, is Minecraft has released the classic Minecraft version as a web um, experience, I don't know, game, uh, that you can play in the browser. So if you go to classic.minecraft.net, you'll immediately be thrown mm. into like game generated and you can um, dig into Minecraft. Taylor, episode 60. We've done we it. We did it. Yep. Despite my best efforts to just make you talk and talk uh, out of format, <laughs> we've arrived at the end. We Here's have. the end. We've done it. Yeah. So I think let's let's have another episode and we'll come up with another riff on the format to keep talking about this type of material. Yeah, And great. I think we're... We're just going to push really hard on getting uh, a great set of guests lined up. I've got a couple in mind. And I think for sure, if any um, people out there listening have any guests to recommend, please let us know so that we can reach out to those folks. Yeah, sounds good.
Maybe I'm thinking of this is no ordinary love. That's, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. That is this is no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you better be recording. I'm recording. Oh, I, I'm recording. <laughs> that was yeah. That was shot A for sure.